All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to Sunday service. We are glad to have you guys. Uh, just a reminder, this is our communion Sunday, so please have something prepared, um, a bread or some sort of um, bread-looking thing that represents the body of Christ and uh, a drink that represents uh, for the representation of the blood of Christ. So we take communion together as a community, okay? Hey, um, it's December. Woohoo! How many of you guys got your Christmas lights up? Got your whole uh, Christmas thing going on? December, December, December. Man, I, I, uh, I'm always in an interesting mood in this season, and I just want to, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy because December has been always been a great uh, anniversary for me for a lot of different things. It's the month I got engaged. It's the month I found out Seth was, uh, Trisha was pregnant with Seth. It's a lot of crazy, crazy cool things in December, but December comes along, and I always find myself in this, this kind of weird funk. And um, I want to, and I think it's really based on the idea of what, um, what we have created Christmas to be sometimes, right? And I think we are, we're, we're getting meaningfulness in Christmas, or at least we're settling we're settling for meaningfulness where it's not too, we're, we're, I'm sorry, we're too, we settle too easily for meaningfulness in this season. Now, we, we are starting a new series, uh, starting a new series here in, in our church, uh, and it's really about God, right? Uh, the risky adventure that Jesus took in, in, in coming here and becoming a man and doing what he did. For us in this season. So what, as we walk you guys through this, this season, as we walk you through this, um, this series, I pray and I hope that you guys recognize the beauty of what Christmas looks like on, in the journey that Jesus took to make it happen. All right? So I pray that you will understand the beauty of Christmas through the journey and the adventure that Jesus took to get here. And it was a huge, risky journey. Today we're going to talk about Jesus risking rejection to be with us. He risked rejection here this Christmas, this, uh, this Christmas season. See, the problem with Christmas, like I said before, is that we think we are getting meaningfulness too easily. Think about this. You go to a Christmas service. You got the Christmas plays. You go to a Christmas party. Someone says a nice few words. They uh, give some acknowledgement here and there. You go to the the you go out to shopping and you see people, you know, smiling, carrying bags, uh, clerks wishing you happy holidays. You go and you, and, and you sing songs during this time that strips itself of any meaning whatsoever, but jolly songs, jolly tunes that makes you feel pretty good about these things. And you do all these things in this season with this kind of dreamy, hopeful, and the, the word is, I guess, magical look on your face sometimes, right? It's the magic of Christmas, people say. And that's good because all those things helps you do what for Christmas? It helps you connect to family. It helps you connect to friends. It helps you connect to times off work and being able to be with people. But I want to I wanna come and tell you guys, but maybe we settle too easily for meaningfulness. Maybe we settle on the meaning of Christmas too easily. Because I think the meaning of Christmas is more than just happy holidays while you go out shopping with your friends. I think the meaning for Christmas is more than just uh, jingle bells, right, or dancing around the Christmas tree. I think the meaning for Christmas is more than just a simple school's play that voids itself up anything of divinity or 
uh, Jesus in there. I think the meaning of Christmas is more than just a Christmas party when someone offers up some Christmas words. I think the meaning of Christmas is more than just people gathering together, opening gifts on Christmas Day. I think there is, those things are important, those things are beautiful, those things are great, but those things, I believe, got us to settle on the meaning of Christmas too easily. And I want us today kind of to walk in this journey of really understanding the meaning of Christmas, right? And it comes to us from the book of John, chapter 1. I'm going to read one verse only today for you guys, right? You know, John chapter 1, I, I remember in school, when we were going through the book of John, the first 14 verses, the first 14 verses, the class was 13 weeks. We spent eight weeks just learning the first 14 verses, right? That's how crazy the first 14 verses of John is. But I'm going to give you one verse because I don't think I can give you 14 verse and do it justice today. So I'm going to give you one verse. We're going to go over that verse. And my heart to you guys is for you to recognize the risk that Jesus took in Christmas and how it brought about truer, deeper meaning if you understand it, embrace it, and hold on to it. That you won't settle. That you won't settle for the cursory, the, 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 the shallow picture of Christmas, but that you would embrace the depth of what Christmas means. And if you were to get this, if you get this verse, verse 14, John chapter 1, verse 14, if you get this verse, if it penetrates to your heart, it will have the power to transform you and transform the way you think of Christmas forever. You guys follow me? All right, John chapter 1, verse 14. Let me read this verse for you guys. John chapter 1, verse 14. What the Bible says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. One more time, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Okay. Three things about this passage. One is the word. Two, became flesh. And three, made his dwelling among us. Among us. Three things we're going to be focusing on this passage this Sunday. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. All right. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. Now, what does that mean, the word of God? See, if you're going to know somebody... A person's word, what they say, how they say it, is the clearest and ultimate revelation of who they are, right? When someone offers you their voice, when someone starts speaking to you, when someone starts addressing you, when someone starts talking to you, their word gives you a bigger picture or a better picture of who they are. Example, so when you look at someone, right, you might have an idea of um, what they're like. You might have an idea of what they enjoy, but you may not really understand them unless you actually ask them. I remember when I was in um, college, uh, I went to missions, and I, I always wore a bandana uh, everywhere I went back then. I, I had this red bandana on. And, you know, my face without my hair looks scary as it is. My face is scary in general. It's not what I'm thinking, but my face is like that. And I remember one of the sisters in my ministry that we were with, she didn't know me yet. She never talked to me before, but she saw me with a bandana. She saw my, you know, my demeanor, and she just, she was just scared because she had this impression of what she thought I was like. 
She had this impression of how she thought I would act, the way I would do things. But the funny thing was, she said to me later on when we talked about this, she said, but the moment you started talking, I was like, this guy is a softie. I was like, hold on, don't say I'm a softie, right? I mean, I'm a little better than a softie. But no, the moment you started talking, right, you were a softie because your word revealed your gentleness. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cute, but I feel offended at the same time, right? So your word reveals who you are. Okay, you guys follow me? You can infer a lot about a person uh, by looking at them, but you don't really know them unless they speak their word. You guys follow? So when the Bible tells us that Jesus is the word of God, this is what it's saying. You can't know God unless you know the word, right? You can know a lot of things about God. You can even do things for God. You may infer a lot of information about God, but you will never know God unless you know his word. And his word is Jesus, the word of God. This doesn't mean that without the word, you can't, you know, again, figure things about God. You say, oh, God wants me to be nice. God wants me to be kind. You can, you can have a lot of ideas about God, but you won't know God. You won't know him intimately. You won't know or infer more about him unless you allow for him to speak his word. And guess what? The Bible says Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word of God, okay? To know him, it takes who? Jesus. To know God, it takes Jesus. Now, here's the here's beautiful thing in the way that John writes this. The word word here in the Greek, you know what it means? It means uh, logos, logos, right? Which is where we get the word logic from. You guys get me? It's where you get the logic from. Every other religion, every other faith, every other uh, belief systems out there, the way they try to argue or rationalize their God to you or their belief to you is to give you an argument, to give you a storyline, to give you a logical, rational argument about why you should believe in Buddha, Allah, you name it, right? But John is saying Jesus is the logos of God. Jesus is the logical, airtight argument of God. See, God didn't give us an argument. He gave us a person. The way in which God tells you that I am real and who I am and this is who I am is through a person, not through an airtight argument. If you want to know me, God says, I'm going to not only give you words here, I'm going to give you my word. I am going to give you Jesus. And looking at Jesus, seeing the way in which he works, seeing the way in which he lives, his teaching, the accounts of his life, his resurrection, to look upon that, that is my argument that I am real. That is my argument of who I am. That is my logical, rational argument of my existence. See, God didn't give us a bunch of words for us to think about. He gave us a person. You guys follow me? So Christmas, when we're thinking about Christmas, we're not thinking about feelings and thoughts and words here. We're not thinking about ideas and concepts here. We're thinking about a person, about a person. To devoid 
Christmas of the person is to devoid Christmas altogether. To think about this season and not to think about the person is to miss the whole entire season completely. It's not about a magical thought. It's not about a magical feeling. It's not about a wonder or an excitement that we may engage in. It is about a person. Christmas is God saying, let me show you who I am. If you honestly look, you will find in the end, Jesus Christ is the most watertight argument of God because the life of Jesus is perfect. And his life towers above every other tower, every other life out there. Jesus, Christmas is about a person, the word, okay? Second thing that we're learning today in this passage is this. Jesus is the word that became flesh. Jesus is the word made flesh. The word made flesh. You know what the word made flesh means? It means this. The word became soft. The word became human. The word became vulnerable. The word, the divine, became killable. Jesus, the word became flesh, tells us that God has become vulnerable. God has become, Christmas shows us how Christianity, unlike any other faith in the world, had God, the divine creator of the world, made human. The the biggest risk that could ever possibly happen, see, every other faith has their God sitting on the mountain, sitting in their palace, sitting in their throne. But Christmas tells us God took the risk and became vulnerable, became soft, became human, became killable. You see, when the Lord of heaven heard our cries, he came down at the risk of him being killable. Not just risking it, he knew it would happen. He knew that it will occur. See, the word made flesh tells us that God has become vulnerable, and it also tells us this. It tells us what? This risk that he took made it so that you can go to him because he understands. The word made flesh reveals something unbelievable. It means that in this season, it reminds you that you can go to Jesus because he understands. See, this season is not about you going to simply your family, which is great. It's not about you simply going to a Christmas party, which is fun. It's not about you simply going to Christmas stories, which which are beautiful. It's not simply simply you going to Christmas plays, which is, again, great. It's about you going to someone who understands. Because God became flesh. Christmas is saying that God of the universe has come and he has put himself in a position to understand how you feel. Hunger, loneliness, homelessness, grief, betrayal, injustice. He felt it before. See, we have a rule here at TLC. You guys didn't know about the leadership rule. And we got that rule really from this idea. Leaders don't do anything or leaders don't tell um, the people in their ministry to do anything unless leaders do it first. Okay? Because... You can't tell someone to go do something 
if you don't understand the struggles that they will go through while they do it. Does that make sense? Leaders don't tell people, their members, to say, hey, I want you to do this, and they themselves have never encountered or experienced that. Leaders will always tell them, hey, I want you to do this, and when you struggle, do not worry. I struggle the same way. I'll get you through it because I understand. Christmas tells us that. Christmas tells us that Jesus risked being vulnerable, being killable, so that you can come to him because he understands. Are you broke? So was he, right? Have you been betrayed? So was he. Are you facing death or knowing people who have faced death? So was he. So did he. It means you can go to him because he understands you. But you may think this real fast. You may think, hey, PT, I, I've gone to him. You know, I, I've gone to him so many times. And guess what? Silence. I poured my heart out to him. And guess what? Silence. That's why I turned to other things to distract me of my time. Because apparently God doesn't have time for me. Guess what? Jesus went to God, the Father. God was silent with Jesus in the garden. Jesus understands that same pain as well. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed to God, God, would you take this cup from me? But if not, not my will, but your will be done. On the cross, Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And did God give him an answer? The answer was so when you experience the silence of God, Jesus understands that too. Jesus got turned down by God too. Do you see? The beauty about this risk that Jesus took, this risk of rejection, this risk of coming down here and being rejected by everyone going on the cross, the reason why he did that was to show you, was to show you that you Go to him as well because he understands it. No one else understands that. Think about, think, about, think about what you do for Christmas. Oftentimes you run towards the idea of this magical season, which is magical. I don't want to downplay it and become a Grinch here, guys. Right? It is a magical season. It is a great season. Right? But the reason sometimes I'm trying to get you guys to think, don't make it so shallow in its meaning. Don't devoid Christmas of its of its depth and of its truth and of its person. Don't devoid Christmas of its power. Because Christmas tells us you can go to him. You can run to him. You don't need to run to a relationship. Because sometimes the relationship doesn't understand you. And if they do, there's a huge chance that one day they can get rid of you. That's why everyone's so afraid to be lonely on Christmas. Isn't that true? I just saw a holiday Christmas season, uh, uh, Christmas uh, movie. I've watched so many for some reason. I decided to myself, before Christmas season hits, I am going to fill myself with as much Christmas joy as possible to watch all these Hallmark movies. And it, it didn't work as great as well. The more I watched, the more I was just kind of about all the, uh, all the movies we watched. Right? But anyways, one of the movies was like... Um, Christmas holiday, holidays? I think it's called holidays, right, right, wife? Holidays? 
confirm it, okay? It's about this girl who said, you know what? Every holiday, I need a date, okay? Because you can't do holidays alone. That's why we run to these things during this season. Because we think we need someone there. And the season tells us what? Jesus understands. Jesus understands loneliness. Jesus understands stress. Jesus understands the anxiety. Jesus understands what you are going through. The word made flesh. But lastly here, the first, Christmas. God gave us a person, the word. Devoid of that, you miss the mark. There is meaning in the season we celebrate, but devoid of the word, you miss the depth of the meaning. The word made flesh tells us what you can approach your God because he understands. And thirdly, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. He dwelt among us that we can see his glory. We can see his glory. The word in Greek for dwelt, right? The word in Greek that it talks about when it says that he made his, um, made his dwelling among us. The word dwelling here in the Greek is the word tabernacle, a better translation of it. He tabernacled against us. It's a word that means reside, to dwell. But John uses a very specific word. He says the word tabernacled again, uh, with us. This was to kind of like give the, the Jewish readers kind of like a, a quick understanding of the word tabernacle because they know exactly what tabernacle means. Tabernacle to them referred to in the Old Testament the place where God would tabernacle with his people. They would tabernacle with, God would tabernacle with his people, but they could not see his face. They will enter into this temple area, this, 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 this place, and they will walk into this place, and they would be able to offer the sacrifices and priests to, to, to really experience God. They would have to offer the sacrifices. The priests would have to make atonement for their sins. They would have to walk into this place called the Holy of Holies in the sanctuary. But even in that sanctuary, they could not approach the Holy of Holies because God had to conceal himself. That was, as, as, that was as close as the Jewish people can approach God without being destroyed. And then John is saying here, it's the opposite. When Jesus tabernacled among you, among us, when he lived, when he dwelt, when he resided among us, seeing Jesus was to actually behold his glory. Seeing Jesus was to behold God's actual glory, the glory that he would not even allow Moses to see in the Old Testament. Moses said, God, show me your glory. And God said, Moses, I cannot, because if I show you my glory, you will die. And John is saying, guess what, guys? Jesus tabernacle among us. And to see Jesus is to see the glory of God. Now, what does that mean? Because you're thinking, okay, that's great. Glory of God, woohoo! What does that mean? What difference does that make? Two things. It means this. It means that Christmas is the end of religion. To see and to be able to 
approach Jesus and to see God's glory, it means that Christmas is the end of religion as we know it. Because why? We don't need to curry favor with God. We don't need to offer up our sacrifices to gain favor with God. We don't need to do all these things in order for God to say, now I will bless you. We don't need to offer ourselves. We don't need a mediator because who? We have Jesus. It means that now, because of Christmas, I can approach God without seeking, right? Without, without this mentality is, I can only approach God if he, and, and do, he will only let me approach him if I'm going to give him something. He will only bless me if I will give him something in return. Christmas tells us what? Jesus, Jesus, because of Jesus, we don't need that. We don't need a sacrifice because he was the sacrifice. We don't need a mediator because he was the mediator. We don't need anything. The life we live now, we live to say thank you because of what Christ has done for us. See, Christmas tells us something very beautiful, guys. It tells me that no matter where you are at in life, you can always come back to God. Because it's not about what you have done. See, when I think about Christmas, I don't think about presents in terms of physical presence. I think about the present that I have from God because I can approach him no matter what I've done. Because it is not about me. He doesn't look at me and judge that. He's looked at Christ and judged him. And because of Jesus... Because Jesus tabernacled among us, I can approach God. I can approach God's glory. You can approach God's glory. Without the fear, without the doubt, without the worry if God is going to accept me. Because in Jesus, he beckons you to him. In Jesus, God beckons you to his throne. In Jesus, the king will get up for you. Christmas is the end of religion because we don't get a religion in Christianity. We get a person. You guys get me? We get a person. We don't need to go through the formalities and the, 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 the rituals and stuff like that in order for God to say, yes, now I will bless you. That we can say, because of Jesus, your mind. Jesus, the word made flesh. But this also means something. The fact that Jesus tabernacle, he dwelt among us, it means this. It means that we can behold his glory. We can actually behold the glory of God. Let me tell you what that means. Why? We can do what Moses and the Old Testament people could not do. See, if you've been slighted in a serious way, if someone wronged you, if an injustice has been done upon you, what happens? There's a gap between you and this person, right? Whatever they've done, they lied to you, they betrayed you, whatever. The, 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 there's a gap between you and the perpetrator. And if the perpetrator simply says, I'm sorry, it's not enough to close the gap. Something has to be done. Something serious has to be done to close this gap. See, now, the same way, you and God, there is a gap between you and an infinite God. There's a disconnect between you and God. And this, 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 this gap was made 
This gap was made because we were the perpetrators between before God. And we wronged each other as nothing compared to the infinite gap in which we have wronged God. And in doing so, we've divided this. You know, I, I think as Asians or just people, if, if, if I, 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 I make fun about this, but if you are Asian in, in this, in this uh, church, you, you, you know uh, the idea of, um, you know, you offend my family, now I offend you. Have you seen those old, like, uh, Asian movies where, where there's two families, like one family makes fun or offends one family, the other family says, now I'm going to have to get you back and somebody has to pay. So unless somebody on the other side dies, the feud continues to go on and on forever, right? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that, that is a natural, one of the natural genres of Asian films, right? Uh, the old Asian films. In the same way, if you understand that concept, you understand this concept. Between you and God, there is a humongous gap. And something has to pay. And you couldn't pay that gap. You just say, can't say, I'm sorry, God. It doesn't work that way. What happens? Jesus has to become vulnerable. Jesus has to become a man and pay that gap for you. And now God looks at you and says, the gap is paid. The gap is bridged because of Jesus Christ. He became vulnerable and killable wives so that he can pay the price and close this gap forever. And that's the reason why we celebrate Christmas. That's the, that's the meaning of Christmas. It is a person. It is about a person. That you can approach because he understands. It is the only one that you can approach and understand you completely. Not just in the physical realm, not just in the emotional realm, not just in the moral realm, but in the spiritual realm. In every aspect of you, you can approach him because he understands. And not only that, he dwelt among you so that this gap between you and God can be bridged forever. Just as God came into history... Find you, right? This unscalable God, the glory of God came to be in you. And the Bible says that God's presence dwelt among us, Jesus dwelt among us, the Word dwelt among us, made his dwelling among us. John is saying, Look, guys, because Jesus was here, you can approach your God. Here's the thing. If this is true, if this is true, then this Christmas, you really got to think about, you really got to think about a little bit more than what's going on. I mean, COVID has made us, COVID has made us a little bit more aware, a little bit more cautious about, you know, certain things in life, right? We're not going to get the Christmas plays because plays are shut down. We're not going to be able to get the uh, Christmas shopping because maybe the malls are shut down to a couple percentage. So we're going to be really just, localized. If this is true, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us so that we could behold his glory. If this is true, then this Christmas, you have a really bigger thing to think about than the shallow meaning that you place upon it. You got to think about this. If this is true, either you're all for him or you totally reject him. That's it. Either you, you are for him or you reject it, but you can't be somewhere in the middle. You can't, you can't be middle grounded in this area when it comes to him. You can't just like it, appreciate it, understand it. You got to follow him. It means that what? In the midst of 
situations we have in life here going on, you can go to him as your counselor because he understands. You can come to him in actual prayer to understand. This is one of the, one of the things about December that I love is not that I pray, but in December I pray a little extra, right? I spend a little bit longer time in prayer because in December it is the time where I recognize if anyone is going to understand what's going on in my soul, it is my Lord, the one who came and became flesh, who lived a life unlike I've ever known and experienced everything that I can possibly ever experience. He Why would you not go to him in your need? He understands you the most. You're always looking for the one who, wants, who, who would understand you. Why would you not go to him, the one who completely understands you the most? Let me, um, let me, let me, let me, let me give you a picture here. There's a, there's a story in the Bible about a crippled man being uh, lowered down into the house by his four buddies. And as the crippled man was lowered down, Jesus said to this crippled man, before even the guy even said anything, you know what Jesus said to him? He said, my son, your sins are forgiven. It's kind of weird, right? But the idea is this. In the Bible, you can never have your sins forgiven unless you do what first? Repent. But the dude in the Bible didn't repent yet. He didn't even say anything. He didn't even utter a single word. He was just being lowered down into the roof before Jesus and this huge crowd. And before Jesus even said anything, before, before the guy even said anything, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Do you know why? How Jesus was able to say your sins are forgiven even though the man didn't even speak the word of repentance yet? Because that's how sensitive Jesus is to the reality of this. So even, even this man has not even spoken a word to Jesus about repentance. Jesus sent something about his heart. Something maybe deep down somewhere, a fragment that was in need of mercy, in need of grace, that Jesus said, you don't even have to say it, my son. You don't even have to say it, my daughter. Your sins are forgiven. That's how sensitive he is to your need. So why not go to why not put him priority? Right? And if this is all real, if the word is the logic of God, if the word is how God shows you who he is, became flesh so that you can understand him and approach him because he understands you, and that you can actually behold his glory because he dwelt here on earth. If this is true, that means this, that means that there is no lost cause. The ideal has smashed the hole into reality. See, we always wish for, like, the better things to come or greater things to happen. We always wish for better days ahead of us. We always wish for the idyllic life. Christmas tells us what? The ideal, heaven, divinity, things that is untouchable, smash into reality and says it is real. That a prostitute, thief, drug addict, sinner, liar, blasphemer, bigot, racist can be transformed into a saint. When you look at someone, you think this is impossible. This is, the ideal is that they will actually get better, but it's impossible. Christmas tells you it's not impossible.
possible because the impossible has already happened. Heaven became man. Divinity became vulnerable. Y'all following me? I need you guys to understand this. Because in the midst of the joy that you experience with families, with friends in this season, I pray that you will not devoid the season of the one who risked everything to show you reality. I pray that in the midst of the things you are doing in your Christmas shopping, your holiday parties, your Christmas dinner, your Christmas presents, your, 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 your engagement with others, that you will not miss the picture of the one who risked rejection, risked life and death itself so that you would understand the true meaning of what life really looks like. The word flesh and dwelt among us so that you, church, my brothers, my sisters, can live in such a way where you know the ideal can happen, that the impossible can happen. If there are struggles in your family, the impossible can happen. If there's unforgiveness in your heart, the impossible can happen. If there's addiction and there's fault and there's pain in your life, the impossible can happen. You can be free. Let's pray.